Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Mark Josephsberg, who is an Alexander Technique teacher in New York City, in Manhattan. He's been a teacher for about 10 years, and we're going to talk today about um, what might be called traps or obstacles that someone learning the Alexander Technique might encounter as part of their learning process. And because this is something I've been wanting to um, uh, put out there for a while, uh, Mark is actually going to uh, interview me on this topic. So, Mark, welcome, and you can start asking me questions. Okay, great. Uh, welcome to your show, Robert. <laughs> Thanks. I always I always like to be a guest on my own show. <laughs> That's right. And so, uh, before we get into the traps, what uh, it's what interests you about the idea of traps in the Alexander Technique? Well, I, I'll tell you exactly what interests me. Um, I think the Alexander Technique is an incredibly powerful and, in some ways, an incredibly simple process. Mm-hmm. Simple, but not necessarily always easy. Mm-hmm. And I believe there are some pretty classic uh, traps or obstacles that students who are studying the technique encounter. Not all students encounter all of these. I think most teachers listening to this will recognize them all. I don't think there's, I don't have any great new discoveries here. But I do want to kind of put them out there in a systematic way. And I, and I think one reason for doing this also is that while the, Alex, while the Alexander Technique is, as I say, a really simple process, maybe too simple, uh, there are some traps or obstacles that are kind of unique to it compared to other things. So that's the background. Mm. So the simplicity might lend itself to having some traps. The simplicity lends itself to that and also the fact that the Alexander Technique is such a different way mm-hmm. of thinking about things like posture and movement than what most people coming to it are used to that it's very easy for people to slip into um, forgetting that and wanting and and thinking more in terms of more traditional approaches to those topics right okay so i think we're ready to talk about trap number one trap number one well i think the most uh classic trap of all is a tendency to um, try to recreate feelings. Mm-hmm. By feelings, I'm talking about physical sensations that someone, a student, gets uh, while during a lesson. Uh, teacher helps you. You have this feeling of lightness, perhaps. Maybe you feel like your head's floating on top of, of your spine. And there's a, a natural inclination to think, well, I guess what I need to do now is try to either hold on to that feeling or at some point in the future recreate that feeling Mm -hmm. and um, for reasons that I think most Alexander teachers understand pretty well uh, that's not not an effective strategy and uh, basically because the feelings are a a kind of a 
um, a byproduct of a process or the result of a process. You, you, um, a teacher helps you and you feel differently or you self-direct yourself and you get this feeling that's very nice and you, you want to keep the feeling, not realizing that the feeling is a result of something else. And when you get sucked into the feeling, you almost immediately lose track of the process that brought it about. So it's occurring to me now that it might not be a bad thing to want to recreate the feeling, but it's how you recreate the feeling. And I'm thinking that the way you want to recreate the feeling is to recreate the principles that got you there. Well, you, yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting um, take on it. The only thing is that the thing that got you to a certain feeling today might get you to quite a different feeling tomorrow. That's true. That's true. And I, I agree with you. Uh, it, it certainly shows on the student's part an interest in the work. Um, mm-hmm. And that's good. And, and a sense that they, there's something they can do. But I think trying to latch on to feelings is kind of a dead end. I agree. I think that maybe as you try to recreate the feeling, like I think it felt like this. It sort of was like this. That's, I think that's the trap. Yes. But I think it's kind of a natural thing to think, oh, I felt like uh, whatever. I was light. It's not a bad idea to want to feel that again. Oh, I, I I agree. Although the lightness you feel tomorrow or next week may have a different quality to it. Or the next moment. Or the next minute or second. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that's that's a trap. And, and it's a very in, in, um, insidious, I believe that's the word, insidious trap, because a lot of times these feelings are very pleasant. That's right. And right. they are tempting. They're kind of... They really want to draw you in. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, new students, and not just new students, old students and teachers, That's right. we are all susceptible to that. Yeah. I've, I've been teaching for some 30-odd years, and I can get caught up in that easily, mm-hmm. easily. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a, a trap that I think most teachers and probably most students of any duration are pretty, pretty familiar with. Um, the second one I want to talk about is um, wanting to get a right position or wanting to be right. They're kind of related. Students will often come in, say, in their second lesson and say, okay, is my head in the right position now? Yeah, I'm sure you've had that happen, Mark. About four times today. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's one that has an awful lot to do with general ideas in our society about how about posture most mm-hmm. posture advice is about putting yourself in a certain position um uh head held up high or chest lifted or shoulder shoulders pulled back or who knows i mean mm-hmm. they're, they're all terrible and they they're all static they're all positional they're a position a pose yeah even if they were good positions there you know i mean those examples that i just gave are all terrible things to do but even if you had something that sounded sort of reasonable 
but was put in the framework of be, being right in terms of a position, uh, that wouldn't really be much use because we're constantly changing. We're breathing. We're always moving a little bit. Um, Alexander, the F. Matthias Alexander, the developer of this work, famously said, when asked about right positions, he said, "There's no, there is no right position, but there is a right direction, mm-hmm. and the direction being a kind of the, the mental, um, the, the mental statement that you're making to yourself about what you would like to happen." I also find as part of that trap that there's there's just the right and wrong in general. Yes, yes. Position you want to or yeah. not? The whole idea of something being right, something being wrong, uh, and again, I think an awful lot of that is is just part of our uh, the the larger society out there's way of viewing things. I had a client the other day who kept referring to her bad leg. And I thought to myself, if I were her leg, I'd be really irritated at that at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's how doctors talk. That's how PTs talk. That's how people talk. Yeah. And um, doesn't really doesn't get you very far with the uh, studying the Alexander technique. Do you have anything that you say to uh, somebody when they ask, "Is this right?" Well, I basically um, kind of do the same uh, spiel I'm doing with you. It's not about position. Mm-hmm. Forget about position. I tell new. I tell students that if they start, if they catch themselves thinking in terms of being right or being in the right place or doing something the right way, mm-hmm. that that would be it's. That that's great that they caught themselves thinking that way and that they could just now let go of it because it'll never be useful. <laughs> so are you are you saying that the Alexander technique is more than just posture? <laughs> well, I think it's about posture among other things, yeah. but I think it's about posture seen as a, a verb, not mm-hmm. a noun, and uh it's it's a dynamic concept. Right. Um, so. Okay, you ready for another trap? I am. Um and this is a little bit related to the last one. Uh, the idea that you have to effort or try mm. to put Alexander ideas into practice. Uh, uh, another word would be concentrate. People will often say, well, I've been concentrating on the directions. And I think to myself, probably not a good idea. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I, I would go so far to say that in terms of directing oneself, whatever Alexander directions you're using, and there there are a lot of different variants these days, but whatever the kind of directing you're doing, the lighter and easier and softer you can you can uh, think them, the more effective they're going to be. That's great. And I think I think that the um, as long as you don't lose track of it entirely, right. but super light, super. Um, soft, if you like. And I would also say super forgiving of forgetting them because mm-hmm. you are going to forget them in an instant. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think when you, when you say, okay, 
I'm going to I'm going to do a little directing about my neck. Let's say you're using a classic Alexander direction. I'm letting my neck be free, or I would prefer I, I'm not tensing my neck. But whatever one, whatever you're using, and you say I want to I want to take that into this activity. It's going to last a few uh, half a minute or whatever. I think you should go into that knowing that you're going to forget it probably within a second or two. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And when you notice it, you just gently bring it back. Right. So don't hold on. It is related to the other one. Don't hold on. Don't try to grasp or, yeah. or uh, grip yeah. it. And also, I think, Alexander, didn't he write about, uh, well, he wrote about concentration and that, you know, furrowed mm-hmm. brow, kind of laser-like. I don't know if he said laser-like, but that kind of uh, limiting kind of uh, uh, thinking about something. Yes. And, and he also said something, I believe, about concentric circles. Like that's a different way to look at it. Like a bunch of circles that have a central meeting point. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that you're, let's say, highlighting. But the rest of, the, the rest of things you could still see on the periphery. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a more gentle way to look at it, I think, than just zeroing in on one thing. Yes, uh, I think anything that can make yourself directing more gentle, yeah, is it, whatever trick you can use to make it softer or more gentle, the more effective and powerful it, it's going to be. I think in our society, um, in general, um, when people are thinking about specific things, very specific things, there tends to be a, a tendency to kind of concentrate or narrow. Uh, one's focus on them and people when people are thinking in a very light and easy way it tends to be about sort of vague things like oh it's a nice day today or I'm I'm enjoying the breeze or whatever mm-hmm. and I think the combination of a gentle intent or interest and a highly specific thing like my neck, you really can't get much more specific than that. That combination of a very light intent about what you want applied to a very specific um, object, if you like, or part of you, or however you want to look at it, that's not something that people are used to. But it's certainly within most people's ability to learn. It just requires a little practice. And it's yes. And as you said before, it's it's just different. It's different. It's different. Yeah. Moving on. Moving Any, on. All right. Um, expecting uh, instant results. Um, so a person can come to a lesson. They They leave the lesson. They feel like they're practically flying out the door. And then the next morning, hey, they're right back where they were, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you've seen that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and all, also, yeah. all the time. And people, people uh, can, can easily get an impression that all they need is to be shown something once or twice, or maybe just a few lessons, a couple of lessons. And that's really all they they should need in order to make these changes because the changes themselves seem so deceptively simple. Mm. And I wouldn't argue the fact that there probably are people out there who all they need is a couple of lessons, Mm -hmm. but they're pretty rare. They're pretty rare. And I think 
to think that you're going to change that the harmful habits of a lifetime in a lesson or two or in a few days experimenting is is for most people unrealistic. Mm-hmm. And and then what you have is a kind of a disappointment setting in and then someone will say, well, you know, it seemed like a good thing, but uh, I never really got very far with it, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. I, I When I approached my first lesson, I was in a pretty intense neck pain. Uh-huh. I don't remember what I expected going in. I walked out in exactly the same intense neck pain, but with a feeling of uh, this is it. Because uh-huh. this was the only thing I encountered where I could take control of my own life instead of just going, fix me, fix me, fix me because it was pretty bad, mm-hmm. this told me you can fix yourself. And even though the, my pain was exactly the same, I just felt, uh, I guess Oprah would say, empowered. Yeah, and, and you might have been lucky to have that experience. It could be that if your pain had all gone away and then came back the next morning, you would have been <laughs> right. discouraged. Right. Yeah. And I think related uh, to that expecting instant results is... Uh, this whole idea of being upset by what seem like setbacks. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're, I've had so many students, they, they'll come in the second lesson and say, oh, work was so much easier, sitting was a lot easier at the computer, I didn't have anywhere near as much shoulder pain. And then that might carry on for a couple, two or three or four lessons, and then they'll say, oh, you know what, I started getting those shoulder pains again. And, um, you know, um, is, I'm not sure this is working. Mm-hmm. And could be that they need a little help rethinking how they're self-directing. Could be they've inadvertently picked up some ideas, some add-on ideas of their own, which mm-hmm. are often um, not very helpful, you know, um, and you just ha- you have to address that. But I think it is easy for people to get discouraged if they've had progress and then it seems like not much is happening. Right. I or, think as teachers, uh, we have to be prepared for that. Totally. We have we, to be prepared for that. Because yeah. in the general direction of up, there's going to be ups and downs. I've yeah. also had people come, and I bet you have too, the second lesson, and they said, I did what you told me about having a string pulling up on my head right. and you know, lifting my t- – all this stuff that I never said. I know. And, and, and it is amazing how people will attribute to you, the teacher, <laughs> ideas that you never in a million years would say. But exactly. I, th- I, think, I think, again, the problem here is that because our approach to things is so – out of sync with most ideas about how to improve your physical functioning, that people kind of will just tack on something they've always assumed to be true to what they're learning from you. That's right, right. And uh, you, you just have to be aware of that and be gentle in, uh, in nudging them away from that. That's right. And I sit and I listen to it and I just say, I'm so glad you came back. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, any more traps? Uh, I, I, one more that I've, uh, I've encountered is, um, and this is a, an intriguing one really to me, sometimes, uh, particularly students that have pain, but it could be other... Uh, could be other students as well. Um, 
they may notice that they're hurting more in some ways after a lesson or two, mm-hmm. maybe even different places. And there's there are a lot of possible reasons for that, but one reason is that as they start to become more sensitive to to what's going on, they they'll they'll notice uh, uh, you know tension more readily in areas that they hadn't noticed before. And uh, also another possibility is that when you start to change your functioning, uh, some some parts of your body are being called upon to do stuff they never had to do before and they're not going to be super happy about that and there may be some discomfort. And it's it's tricky because on the one hand, if people who are in pain come to you for that reason, you you have to be very careful about how you explain that because it it could sound as if you're saying, whatever happens, it's good, right? Yeah. Pain goes away. Well, that's the Alexander technique. Pain gets worse. Well, that's part of your progress, you know. Right. And I think you got to be very very careful about how you explain that to to students. I do too. I think that's a really good trap for a teacher when that happens. Yeah. And say more about that. Well, it's uh, just what you said. So somebody says, well, you know, that pain is kind of gone, but now I have the pain over here. Not to fall into any kind of trap, uh, you know, to say, well, you know, that can happen. And just to... uh, um, Or to try to fix that new pain. Or to fix the new pain. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. it could be – I tell people sometimes that they're using muscles they're not used to using. Some mm-hmm. muscles uh, that maybe some of the deep postural muscles mm-hmm. n- need to be used. Other muscles, you know, are overworking. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may be overdoing it. They just may – you know, I'm freeing their neck to force their head forward and up, you know, that, so they could be overdoing it. Mm-hmm. And what I probably – what I think it is is the third option, which is some kind of option. Uh, it's a combination of overdoing and not being used to using those muscles. But it, it's just hard as a teacher because, you know, we don't want to end gain, but we do have goals, you know. Right. And more, if somebody comes in with pain, we really do want them – it would be nice if they were out of pain. It would, yeah. But but it's all, another factor is that when muscles that have been chronically held begin to release, mm-hmm. um, the little uh, the little sensing mechanisms wake up, and uh, you start to feel uh, the tension that's still there. You start to feel. Yeah, you start to feel. And I the example I like to give I, when I was teaching in full-time in Toronto, um, I, I lived just a block or so away from a, a big medical, uh, not a medical center, but a, a building that had lots of doctor's offices in it. And I'd walk by there in the morning, and there'd be a lot of cabs coming, dropping people off, a lot of elderly people. And they often uh, had, were very stiff in their movements. And some of them, it looked like they really could almost not turn their heads at all, I mean, they, they, if they if they were facing away from you and wanted to talk to you, they had to turn their whole body to do that. Most of them, I think, would say if you ask them if they had any neck pain, they'd probably say no. Mm. But they would they would 
would recognize some of the effects of a stiff neck, like their balance was compromised or, you know, they fell over or breathing was restricted. But they wouldn't necessarily feel any pain in, in their neck. And if you as an Alexander teacher come along and get a little mobility there, they might start to feel some neck pain that they hadn't felt that that they hadn't felt before, which actually in that case was a symptom of, of a little more freedom. Interesting. Yeah. So they're holding or they may, <clears throat> maybe blocking the pain or holding. Yeah. 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 Well, if you tighten your fist for a couple of months, uh, you're not going to feel it. And That's if right. someone comes along or you somehow figure out how to let go of some of that tension, it's going to be very painful at first. Right. So, so those are the traps I've thought of. Do you have any, any you want to add to this uh, uh, actually, list? Actually, uh, no, I don't think so. Wow. Well, then maybe this will will be a good time to, to bring our interview to a close. Ed, would you like to say anything else about traps or anything else, Robert? Just, I think it's helpful for both teachers and students, particularly students who are not familiar with the process, to realize that the technique, the Alexander technique, is incredibly powerful, but it does, it, it's not always as simple as it seems. Or it's, it's as simple as it seems, but that can be a bit of a trap itself, I guess is how I would phrase it. Okay. Well, you want to add anything to that? No, I don't. I'm just sitting here listening and enjoying it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so my guest uh, and, and interviewer today has been Mark Josephsberg, an Alexander teacher in New York City. If you live in New York, uh, we'll put a link to his website by the interview. If you live anywhere else, uh, we'll put a link to a site where you can find uh, an Alexander teacher uh, wherever you are. Mark, thanks so much for doing this. Great. It was fun, Robert.